Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Grateful to gather and worship to our great God this morning. Uh, I am excited to be continuing the book of Romans uh, today. I am grateful for all of our guests that are with us uh, as well today. And if you're uh, with us for the first time, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, just encouraged by you being uh, with us today. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, love to connect uh, along the journey. And so you'll see some connect cards inside the seats in front of you or around you. And when you're ready uh, to connect with us, we'd love uh, just to share a little bit about who we are and how we could be praying for and serve uh, your family. Uh, this morning, I'm excited to be uh, just in the Word of God together. Uh, if you want to open your copy of God's Word to Romans chapter number 10, uh, we're going to spend our time there this morning. Uh, I want you to think about uh, one thing as we start. Uh, I want you to think about what you think of when you think of feet. I heard gross uh, somewhere over there. Uh, There's a lot of different things that come to our mind when we think about feet. Uh, You know, we hear the word gross. Some of you might think of the word smelly. Uh, Some of you may have been in a vehicle with somebody when maybe you've been riding and all of a sudden the... uh, Uh, From the back seat, you kind of start smelling this kind of air coming up, and you know immediately that uh, something has happened there. Somebody's taken their shoes off. I I was looking online, and there's like a lot of stuff for feet. There's like all kind of foot powders. There's these foot cures or something that these went pedicures or something these ladies do, and maybe maybe some of you guys, if you do, don't raise your hand. Like just don't tell anybody. Uh, I've heard they feel good, but I'm just going to trust you, right? I think you have to maybe like give your man card if you get that. I don't know, but there's, there's those kind of things that are, uh, are around and there's these sprays. Like I said, there's powders, there's all these things. I, I was reading and when I was looking at some of those things, I understand that there's actually a condition uh, that's called potophobia. Uh, right? It's, it's a serious condition, right? I see some of you like shaking your head. Maybe you uh, have experienced that, right? It's this thought, this uh, pados is this ancient Greek word uh, for feet, right? And so there's that and then phobia for fear. And so there's this fear uh, of feet. Maybe some of you have had a traumatic experience uh, from that. Some people are afraid uh, of their own feet, right? Some people are afraid, especially of other feet, bare feet, socks from uh, people's feet, all those kind of things, right? Those can be fleshed out and it can cause some problems. Problems from what I understand. Now, we have a little dog that it, he does not have potophobia, right? I'm, I'm not exactly sure what you call what he has, but uh, this morning I was getting ready, and, and it's kind of hard to, to tell there because of the black blanket, but that is my sock, right? And every time, any time, he watches like intently. And if I lay my sock down for a split second with everything in him, he runs and gets that sock and is as happy as can be. He would trade bones, foods, anything uh, for that, right? You could ask Sherry, maybe I've got sweet feet. I don't know, but, but that dog is all about uh, those things, right? But today, uh, I want to talk to you uh, about a, a, a topic, right? And I want to talk to you from the Word of God about potophobia and the gospel. And I'm convinced that, uh, that as, as a church, right, in America and maybe in, around the world, right, that there is a problem that we are experiencing and maybe it could be considered potophobia in the gospel. And what we're going to see is that it may be this fear of where our feet may take us if we walk in obedience 
to Christ, of this fear of what God might ask us to do. And today we're going to be in a passage where we see the description of feet that carry the good news of the gospel uh, to the nations, right? That those feet are described as beautiful. And so I want you to look down uh, at your feet this morning. You don't have to take your uh, shoes off just for the health of all of us. But I want to ask you this question, right? How are your feet looking. How are your feet looking? Now, last week we were in the early uh, part of the book of Romans and uh, we were encouraged by the good news of the gospel, how we are justified uh, by faith, uh, how we have been made right with God. If we are in Christ, that we've been forgiven, redeemed, uh, and restored by the work of Christ, by the work of the gospel. And we have good news we're going to see in Romans chapter 10 that is meant to be Shared. Now we see this thought of beautiful feet. We see uh, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 52 7 uh, refer to beautiful feet. We see uh, the apostle Paul in Romans 10. And we're going to pick up in Romans 10 beginning in verse 9. I want to invite you uh, to stand to your feet in honor of uh, the infallible, uh, inerrant word of God. And we're going to read uh, those verses together. And then we're just going to jump in. And the scripture says this beginning in verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever, boy, isn't that good news this morning? For whoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then the question comes, how then, in verse 14, will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And then finally in verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. God, as we proclaim your gospel, Lord, as we uh, reflect on your grace and your goodness. God, I pray, Lord, that you would allow your word to accomplish what you have sent it forth to do, Lord, that you would work in the midst of our lives, Lord, that you would transform us from the inside out. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, as we uh, walk into your word today, God, that you would uh, allow us to just remove any distractions, Lord, that we might lean into what you would have uh, for us today, Father, that you would speak to us in the power of your spirit, God, that you might transform us from the inside out and that we might leave here with beautiful fruit, taking the good news of the gospel to wherever you might send us. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. Now, we read those verses in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 13. There are some verses that are among some of the most popular and most common uh, verses that we might read. And in the, in the context of this passage, we would see the direct context uh, of this being primarily to Israel. But what we know is that this uh, applies to all, right? As we read these verses, as we read this today, we're going to recognize and see God's plan for the gospel to go 
for. So why is it that we go? Why is it that there's this call that we have uh, to take the good news of the gospel to the nations? Why is it that there's a call on the lives of followers of Jesus Christ to share the good news of the gospel with our neighbors and with our families and with our loved ones? And and, and I'm reminded that as we look back to last week, and if you missed last week, I'd encourage you uh, just to go back and, and listen or, or or watch that service. And, and we're gonna, we see uh, some really critical things. Right? In Romans 1, we see that God is creator and that God God, uh, has created all things for his glory and that we have rebelled against him, that we as sinful humanity, that we have turned our back on him, whether it was through rebellion or whether it was through religion, we have turned to our own ways. And in chapter two and chapter three, uh, especially as we get up into chapter three, we're reminded of some verses that should be uh, I- embedded in the hearts of every follower of Jesus Christ. As we read Romans three, we see in Romans three ten that there is none righteous. Listen, not even one, that there's none righteous, that there's none uh, righteous, not even one. And then along in verse 23, we read these words that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have missed the mark and everyone is guilty, right? We are in need of redemption. We are guilty before a holy God separated from him because of our sin. But then last week, there was that that backdrop of bad news. But then in the midst of that bad news, there was a diamond that would glisten on that backdrop that reminded us that through the good finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, that God has made a way for fallen man to be made right with God, to be righteous, to be justified, to be declared right. And we see that that happens through faith in Christ. And that is the only way. There's only one way to be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Romans 10, 9, we read these words, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be Saved. This word believe, we recognize that word. It is a word that we also get the word faith from. And it is a thought, as we showed last week, just an example when Cason was going to fall back into his dad's arm. We said that this belief, it's putting our whole weight, putting our, our whole trust. It is believing and trusting to put our faith in him. Two weeks ago, we were in 1 Corinthians 15, and we read these words of the Apostle Paul as he said, I delivered to you as of what was first most important, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose the third day, that Jesus is alive and well. And, and we reflected on the work of the gospel. And Paul highlights in this passage our response to the gospel. We see in verse 9 that there is an inward response. If you're taking notes in the app, you'll find... Uh, a fill in the blank there, right? And we see that there is an inward uh, response that we're believing. And the scripture says that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, right? And so there's this picture that we believe with everything, right? It's not just a head knowledge of Jesus. It's not just uh, some information that we can recite uh, about him, but it is a trust, right? It, It is a a trust in him. And how does our faith go, right? When we think about believing, we think about the word uh, faith. And we read in verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And, and so we see that there's this, this way that God has, uh, has made for the gospel to go forth, for us to 
be those that would share the good news. Now, there's an inward response, and, and as we go and share the good news, what we see here is there's an outward reflection. So not only is there an inward response where we believe and trust him, we put our whole weight on the finished work of the cross, not on our works, not on our good deeds, not on anything that we have done, but on the finished work of the cross, and there is an outward reflection that takes place as we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, Romans 10, 13, we love that verse and we quote it so very often and it should be part of every believer's uh, just memorized life, right? That we would read this word that whoever, and listen, this is good news if you're here uh, in, in listening to the sound of my voice this morning, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be Save. And this is the backdrop, right? This is the, the backdrop of what we are reading. That, that, that this is the good news of the gospel. That whoever would place their faith and trust in him, whoever would call upon his name, they shall be saved. And then verse 14 says, How will they hear? This is the backdrop to that question. And we're going to see some things in this passage that, that, that I think is so important. And just verse 13 allows us to see the motivation right for our going because it is his grace that motivates our going. When we read those words, right, whoever, this is inclusive language. And, and what we need to know is that there's no one that is too far. There's no one uh, who has sinned and, and gone too far. And, and by the way, there is no one who has been good enough not to need the gospel. But everyone, the scripture says, who calls on the name of the Lord. And the intention of this passage is for us to see that there is no distinction between the Greek and the Jew, that there is no distinction uh, between uh, race or or gender, or anything else, that there is one way to be made right with a holy God, and it is through faith in Christ alone. And salvation is available to all. The scripture says this, that, that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I heard the story of this little boy, and he was out witnessing. Maybe he had been uh, in children's church, or maybe he had been in Sunday school class that day, and the teacher had said it's very important that we share the good news of the gospel, because people need Jesus, and they need to be saved. And so the little boy's out and he runs into somebody at lunch and he comes up uh, to them and he says, hey, mister, he said, have you ever been saved? And then the man real proudly reached back and he said, listen, son, he said, I've been a Baptist deacon for 50 years. And the little boy looked at him and he said, well, sir, it doesn't matter what you've done for 50 years. The Lord can still save you. And so this great mystery, right, that we see in the writings of the Apostle Paul, when we read in the Apostle Paul's writings, he would say that I am chief among sinners. And the greatest mystery for followers of Jesus Christ, I, I want to remind you this morning that you know who you are, and I know who I am, and I know how far down that God reached to save me. I know the things that are in the deepest places of my thoughts that he has forgiven me for. I know the grace that has been extended to me, and the greatest mystery is that God would save me. And if he'll save me, then he'll save save anybody. I didn't deserve it. There was nothing that I did uh, that made me worthy of it more than any person. There wasn't anything about, about anything that made me any better. And God, in his mercy and his grace, he made me alive in Christ. And because of that, I have a story to tell, right? His grace motivates our going. But not only does his grace motivate our going, his authority mandates our obedience. His authority mandates our going, right? When we read these passages, 
passage is, the scripture says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord, when we read in Romans 10, 13, that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord, right? We read this word in the great curios, and there's this picture of Lord and master, the ruler, one who commands, right? And whoever calls on the name of the Lord, when we surrender our lives to him, we are surrendering to him as authority, to him as Lord. He is the one that we belong to. We look to him as master and king. And because of that, his authority mandates our going. His mercy should motivate it. When we look and know that God has saved us, we should be passionate about going and sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you are saved this morning, if you have been born again into the family of God, the word of God uh, has come to you. Someone has shared the good news of the gospel. Someone has shared the word. You have heard the word of God and you have believed the word of God. And because of that, we know. And because we know, we go. See, this is what we find in scripture that the gospel requires all of us who know to go. If you have been saved, then you are sent. The gospel requires all that know to go. Look at verse 14. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written. Boy, I love these words. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. What we, what we see in this passage is that God uses people to bring good news. And it's crazy to me that he would entrust us with this message of the gospel, that he would entrust us with this call to go and take the good news of the gospel to people all over this world, that he would call us in that way. I want you to look at your neighbor and, and just, just say these words, you are plan A. Just do it real quick. You are plan A. And some of you are going, not me. Surely not me. Like, I can't be. Like, you don't know who I am. Like, I can't, like, I can't be part of my deal. Like, I, and, and, here, and here's the, here's the second piece of this. You don't have to say it, but, but when I read the scripture, there is no plan be. See, God has called us to take the good news of the gospel to the nations. God has called us to share the good news of the gospel. And he uses people to do it, right? If this is how they know, and if we believe the truth of God's word, if this is how they know, then why is it that we don't go? There are alarming statistics out there of the number of people who profess faith in Jesus Christ that have never shared the gospel. The statistics are alarming at the number of people that have never shared their faith. So why don't we go? And I've thought about that a bit. Maybe it's because we've believed some lies. Number one, and maybe the first lie that we've believed is that it's for the preacher to go. Right? We believe this, this, that it's for the preacher. And maybe you've read these verses. If you said, well, that's what he said. How are they going to know unless, they, unless the preacher goes, unless the preacher's sent? That's what we pay him for anyway, right? Why in the world 
would we not just like send him uh, everywhere that we might go, right? So, so we say, hey, it's for the professional. It's not for, uh, for, for, for me. It's for somebody else. And when we read this passage, what we see in that word preacher, right, there's this, this thought of, of herald or proclaiming the good news of the gospel, right? This picture of heralding a message. And, and in those days, the herald would go out in representation of the king. And they didn't have mass texting. They didn't have a mass email. They didn't have all those kind of things. And so the herald would go out and the herald would deliver the message of the king. And he would say, here is what the king has said. And that's what we've been called to do as followers of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the good news of the gospel. That is uh, this picture. And if you've been saved, as we shared, you have been sent. And some of you are saying, well, uh, I mean, there's people in my life, like I've got a neighbor, I've got a uh, some family members, and maybe there's some people on the other side of the globe. Uh, there, there's people all around us. There's people that we're going to encounter in restaurants and people that we work with. And we see all those kind of people. And sometimes we say, you know what? I know I've got a neighbor, but we really need to send somebody else. And, 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 and I'm, that's all I'm going to leave with. We just, you probably need to send somebody else. Could you go visit my neighbor? Could you share the gospel with my neighbor? And the reality is, is because you and your neighbor have had a squabble over something silly. You and your neighbors had a squabble because of a pothole in the road or because of a property line or because of something. You haven't reconciled those things. And in those places, you're saying, I can't go and share the good news of the gospel with him. Maybe you say, you know what? I've got a brother who is lost and I really desire to see my brother know Jesus. I, need, I desire to see my son or my daughter. Or, or my grandmother or someone in my family know Jesus, but you're going to need to go and talk to them. Somebody else is going to need to go and talk to them because we had a little squabble uh, when grandpa died and there was some stuff left and we had a little squabble over the inheritance and over the things uh, that are, are there. And, 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 and here's the thing. Listen, there's a lot of things in this world that we are allowing to have more importance in our life than the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the call that we have as followers of Jesus Christ to declare that message to the world, right? And we would do well to realize that apart from Christ, apart from the hearing of the good news of the gospel, that there are people all over this world that are dying uh, to, an, to an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And somehow we've believed this lie, right, that the preacher's supposed to do it. And somehow we've believed this lie that there must be some other way. Somehow we've believed this lie that says, hey, there's, uh, there must be another way. Maybe we've bought into the lie of our culture that says as long as someone is sincere, surely God wouldn't send them to hell. Surely, like maybe you know somebody that is very kind and maybe they seem to be very sincere about trying to do good things and you're saying surely God would not send them to hell. Surely, I mean, what about those innocent people, right? That's the question that a lot of times people ask, what about some innocent person somewhere? What about this person? Or what if they haven't heard the good news of the gospel? Uh, what about those kind of things? And I'm reminded as we looked at the book of Romans last week that there are no innocent people. That, that when we look at the gospel, what we see is that there was only one innocent man and his name was Jesus and he carried the weight of our sin and he was nailed to a cross in our place. And there is only one way to salvation in Christ. And it is through the finished work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The culture says there are many ways, but the scripture says 
is there is one way, and it is the narrow way. All roads may lead to Rome, but as you walk through Romans, you'll understand that all roads don't lead to heaven, that there is only one way. There's only one name under heaven that's been given to men whereby we must be saved. And we see that we have been called to share the good news of the gospel. Now you say, what about people uh, that God is dealing with? Maybe they've seen his glory in creation. Maybe they have seen those kind of things. What? How is God dealing with those people? Well, I'm reminded in Acts chapter 10 of a man like that. And in Acts chapter 10, there was a man, the scripture says, beginning in verse 1 of Acts 10, We read these words. Uh, There was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his gaze, the scripture says, on him being much alarmed. And that is the response in a moment like that, right? When we hear our name from this angel, right? And it says, the angel of God came in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. Now, so here's Peter on the other side of town. And, and all of a sudden in Peter's life, we don't have time to, to look into this whole passage, but all of a sudden in Peter's life, he begins to have these crazy dreams. And as a result of all those things, he is sent uh, to go and share with Cornelius and he gets there. And, and what we see in verse 43, now this is an incredible thing, right? God tells him to go see Cornelius and he does something, right? He goes, right? That's what, that's what followers of Christ do, right? When God sends us somewhere, we go. And he says, he, he says this, he says, of him, verse 43, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Now, it would have been a lot easier. It would have been a lot easier if, if, the, if the Lord had wanted just through this angel to say, hey, Cornelius, um, you, you, you've, been, you've been, you know, trying to pray and do all those things. You, you didn't quite see the whole picture. And so, uh, hey, here's what you got to do. Jesus came and this is how to, but, but he says, hey, listen, send for Peter. And when Peter comes, he's got a message for you. And this is the way that God works through his people. And could it be that God is stirring in some of us? Could it be that God is stirring in you because he is working in someone like Cornelius that is in your area? There's someone maybe across the world that needs to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could it be that God is stirring in them, that God is stirring in you, and that he is sending you to proclaim the good news of the gospel message because it is faith that comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. And it is the way that God has chosen to allow his gospel to go forth and for people to be born again into the family of God. So what do we do in light of that? What do we do in light of this message that has been entrusted to us, this grace that has been given to us? I want to give you just three things. The first thing that we can do, and you could do, you could kind of flip these around so they don't have to be like in a, a, a cyclical order right here, or a linear fashion. You could, you could kind of flip these around. But the one thing that we could do is we could prepare and we could begin to take seriously this call that we have to take the good news of the gospel to every place uh, that God might send us. And we're not sent everywhere and every person is not sent everywhere. But in, in the scriptures, I believe every person is sent somewhere. Jesus has given us a great commission and it is 
is not a great suggestion. It is a command that we might go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel, that we might share the good news of the gospel, baptizing and, and discipling and teaching people to obey all of the commands of Christ, that we would walk in those kind of places. And so where is God sending us? And many times we're afraid because we have not prepared, because we, listen, there's a tragedy that is going on when the people of God can sing more country music songs or know more uh, about quoting lines on a television show or a YouTube channel or anything else under that matter than they can the Word of God. And we need to take the Word of God and marinate in the Word of God and hide the Word of God in our heart so that we might be able to proclaim the Word of God because when we share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is the call that we have. So we prepare, right? We practice, we work, we labor, we toil, we, we recognize that this is life or death and this is serious and the call that we have is mandated by our Lord and Savior. And if you are in Christ, if you have surrendered your life to the Lord, then he is sovereign over you and we go where he sends and we're motivated, right, by his grace that he would save us. So in light of that, right, we prepare. God does the work, though, right? We, we share. We go. The Welsh Revival, uh, an incredible move of God, began in 1904 in the country of Wales. And uh, during a, a very short period, uh, 100,000 people, it was less than uh, six months, there were 100,000 people uh, that were converted. Uh, and one of the leaders of that movement was, was Evan Roberts. And Roberts had four principles for revival. And the first one of those was simply this, that we would confess every known sin, that we would come before God with clean hands and a pure heart, that we would pursue the holiness of God. As we've looked at these passages, we said, listen, it is his body. We've been purchased with a price. And we and we want to come to God with as clean as we can, confessing our sin, desiring that we might be a vessel that could be used by him, that we might put away the second thing he said, that we might put away every doubtful habit, that we might say, you know what, I'm going to focus on the things that matter. I'm not going to mindlessly waste my life, but I'm going to live and breathe in the word of God. And I'm going to memorize the word of God. I'm going to prepare myself for work and I'm going to obey the spirit promptly. And I'm gonna, when, when God speaks, when the Spirit of God speaks to us, that we would obey immediately. Delayed obedience, understand follower of Jesus Christ, delayed obedience is disobedience. He is calling us and he is speaking to us in the power of his spirit. And, and, and as the spirit of God directs us, we share the truth of the word of God. This is what we are called to do. And God does the work. God is working through his people, being obedient to his call. We see Philip, right? And, and, and a few weeks back, we talked about this call of deacons. And we find Philip being scattered. And then he's sent, right, to share the good news of the gospel with this Ethiopian eunuch. And, and what we read in uh, Acts is that he told Philip to get up and go. And then in the verses following, we just find this. He got up and went. See, that, that's what we're, that's our call in this is that we would hear where God would send us and where he would burden us and where he would do it. He would say, get up and go. And you go share the gospel. You go engage in this. You share the good news. You, you sow seed. 
There is some people, there's many people, I forget the exact number, but it's an astronomical statistic of the lack of number of conversions, right, for any believer, that many, many believers never share the gospel, never see anyone come to faith in Christ. And if we are not proclaiming the good news of the gospel, if we are not sowing seed, we will never see the harvest, right? But we understand that it is God that does the work, that we faithfully proclaim the gospel, and we see others proclaim the gospel, and we see God do the work. See, we pray knowing that, that the Spirit of God may be working in the midst of this, that He is working before us, and we sow seed, good soil, right? We see the parable of the soils, good seed on good soil produces fruit every time. That's how seed works, right? It sees this bearing of fruit. There was a young preacher that went to the home of an older preacher, and he had seen his life, and he said to him, he said, how is it that you are such a great soul winner? How is it that you see so many people come to faith in Christ. And the older man took the younger man to the breakfast table and he sat him down and he said, sit down here, son. And he said, I want you to put your elbows on the table. And the young man put his elbows on the table. He said, I want you to cup your hands. The young man cupped his hands. He said, I want you to bow your head. And he said, I want you to pray. He said, I want you to pray to place your faith in your hands. He said, I want you to pray for lost people until you begin to weep. And that, he said, is the secret to being a great soul winner. The story came to my mind last night. I was talking to someone, and that young man was a man named John Knox. And we would read of this man, and he was a, just a great impact, a great leader of the Reformation, and we would read that he would pray this prayer, God, give me Scotland or I die. He would pray, God, give me Scotland. Queen Mary, the Scots, she would say that she feared the prayers of John Knox more than the whole European army, the whole assembled armies of Europe. He would pray, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. How long has it been? since the people of God have been broken for the lost that are all around us. If we believe the words of this book, that our only hope is Christ. How long has it been since we've wept over those that are around us that apart from Christ are going to an eternal hell separated from God? What would it be like if there were people in this room that said, God, give us this city? Or I die. That, if you read Romans 9, you read the beginning of that, Paul was so burdened for his people. His heart was broken for them to know the Lord and his salvation. The beginning of Romans 10, his prayer was for his people. His heart was broken. What would it be like for some grandparents to say, God, give me my grandson, lest I die. Give me my son. Give me my grandfather. Give me these people. Give me my neighbor, lest I die. Because what I know is that hearing becomes believing in the power of the Spirit of God as we declare the good news of the gospel. It goes from head to heart. So we pray, we prepare, 
And we proclaim, right? We herald the good news of the gospel. Next week, we're going to look at how the Apostle Paul would engage. And what many times the Apostle Paul would do is he would say, this is what the king has done for me. What would it look like if everyone in this room left this place reminded of the mercies of God? And they went testifying, this is what the king has done for me. And I've got a message from the king. And I want to herald that good news. I want to share that message. And what we find is that those feet, the scripture says, beautiful are the feet. Those feet found on the people that have been changed by his grace. Those feet found on those hearts that have been transformed by faith in Christ, by the gospel message. And they are ready to go and share the good news of the gospel. They go, they send. You know, last night I was, maybe like some of you, we were trying to get our shoeboxes together and we were looking through our things and we had this soccer ball that we wanted to send. And so we pulled into Walmart and Grant and I go into Walmart and Sherry was out in the car and Sherry and Hope were. And we got inside and I went in and I got back to the basketball pumps and, and I was wanting to get this little pump and I looked and they, all the cheap ones were gone. Thanks. <laughs> Y'all had already bought them. And I called Sherry, and I was looking at him, and I was like, hey, all the pumps are gone, you know, but I did find, you know, on the other side, there's some, there's some bicycle pumps, but they're expensive. And Sherry didn't mean to stir my heart in any way, but, um, but as I was talking to her, she immediately responded, and she said, um, she said, you know what I've read about is that whoever gets that shoebox, that, that that little kid will probably get one in his whole life. So I was thinking about that, and the Lord just began to stir my heart. And so, of course, I grabbed the, the little pump, and I thought, what a jerk I am, thinking, you know, like. And then I thought about, here's a, here's a box that is going to go to a child somewhere on the other side of the world. And I began to think, what if that child has been just wondering about who our God is? What if he's been praying and saying, you know what, God I sure wish you'd reveal yourself to me, Lord. And I sure would like a soccer ball. And we read over and over about how a little kid will open a box like this and find that the Spirit of God is working in answer to his prayers. And he is sending the message of hope, right? The message of the gospel through something as simple as a shoebox. God is working. He is sending he is working on the, on the other side of things. One of the, the greatest moments that I've really ever experienced in my life was uh, there was a, a lady that I worked with. Her name was Sandy. And uh, we, uh, I've, I've shared this story before, but it's such a powerful truth of just the way God works. And her son had leukemia. And we would go out, out back at, at Lowe's and we would pray over this young man weekly and sometimes daily. And we were believing God that he was going to heal him, that he was going to restore him from this leukemia and one day I had just experienced this tremendous burden to go and share the gospel with him. He was in Wake Forest and I was talking to a guy and it's, it's amazing how God will put the right people around you. And there was this guy that for just a little season, he had a doctor of ministry and a pastored most of his life. And he was working in the same office with me and, and I was talking to him and I said, Bruce, I said, I really feel like I'm supposed to go and, and share the gospel with, with Chris. And I said, I'm not sure what to do. And he said, well, you're the boss. Let's go. 
I said, you're wrong. Let's go. So the next day we loaded up in our car and we drove to Wake Forest. I didn't tell Sandy I was coming. Didn't, didn't say anything about it. And we pulled up in the hospital and I was pretty anxious. And I said, Bruce, how are we going to start a conversation? What are we going to do? What are we going to share? What do we say? And Bruce, and just that kind of humble wisdom, he just said, he said, let's just pray and trust God with the details. God will work all that out. And bowed his head and he prayed in that little car. And we got out and we walked in. And as I opened the door, Sandy looked at me and Chris was sitting on the bed. Sandy looked at me and she said, Jason, I can't believe that you are here. I'll never forget this as long as I live. And as I looked at Chris and I looked at her, she said, Chris has been asking all morning what it means to be saved and how you can know that you are right with God. And I said, boy, I know what to do right now. And I opened the word of God and simply just shared the truth of God's word. And he repented of his sin and placed his faith in Christ. And in those moments, he passed from death to life. And later, you know, I thought God was going to heal him by, by restoring him from leukemia. And later he ended, up, um, he ended up dying from leukemia. But I was reminded as I stood to preach his funeral that he was more alive than he had ever been. How will they know unless someone comes? How will they hear unless we are sent? Will we be willing to be obedient? Are we willing to just listen to the Spirit of God and go where He sends us? Or will we have gospel potophobia, right? Just being afraid of where He might send us and what He might call us to do. There's a world that is dying without Jesus. And we are plan A. The gospel does the work. The Spirit of God, right? Salvation belongs to the Lord. But we proclaim the good news of the gospel. And we do it for the glory of God with everything that we have, knowing that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want to invite you this morning, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you've never responded to the good news of the gospel, that you might confess him as Lord this morning, that you might, that you might kneel in an altar and you might call on his name, that you might surrender, that you might believe with your heart, putting all of your faith, all of your trust in the finished work of the cross, and that you might be saved. And I, my hope is, that for followers of Jesus Christ in this room, that we might be burdened like John Knox was, that we might be burdened where we might say, give me this city. Give me my neighbor. Give me my family member. And that we might weep over those who are lost, that God might place a burden on our hearts that might motivate us to obedience in Christ and that the good news of the gospel might go forth here in this community and around the world as a result of people being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and simply going where he sent.